Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I don't think people, anybody sitting at a cable company, particularly the CEO and the the C-suite, are sitting there and going, what can we do to create a really bad experience for our customers? I'm not as sure about that as you are. (laughs) (laughs) So unfair weights are longer than equitable weights. I didn't find that equitable. I was annoyed. Yeah. And therefore, again, poor experience. Some people would want the slow line where they can ask all the dumb questions that they want and have somebody hold their hand. And other people would very much appreciate being able to skip all the incidentals and get right down to it because they've already tried the basic stuff. So Ryan, as you're more than aware, I don't particularly like cable companies. Have I ever told you that? I've heard that, yes. I've heard that from Good. you. Yes. <laughs> well, interesting Whereas enough. You... I, on the other hand, love my cable company. Yeah, yeah. Like on, the, on your bike. No one as they ever. would say. <laughs> Do they use that phrase in the States? On your bike. No. There you go. There you go. So on your bike means go away, oh. basically. <laughs> Sorry. That's a great phrase. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. I think that uh, there should be more phrases like that, you know. Yeah, we should have a British idiom. Is it called an idiom? Yes. Yeah, a British idiom each time we do one of these. I think that's a new podcast we should start. Yeah. So we often look at the psychological theory, mm-hmm. and we then talk to everybody on these podcasts about what does that actually mean, and try to give people some practical advice of how it's playing out. What we decided to do this time, and we've we've already done one on Apple from the good side, we decided to do one from the bad side, which is effectively insert name of cable company here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, what is it? Why do cable companies have such a bad reputation? And from a business, behavioral economics, psychological perspective, you know, why is it? Why do people dislike them? Yeah. Regular people will know that I complain about my cable companies often. And bear in mind, I live in two places, England and America. And ironically, they just seem to be bad globally. They're both bad. Yeah. So it just seems to be that industry, basically. Let's talk about some of the things that make them not so good. Great. And let me start off by telling you another little story. I always think that you can learn just as much from bad things as you can from good things. Mm -hmm. So everybody's always interested in best practice. But I guess I would class (laughs) some of these things as worst practice. Yeah. I always remember a boss of mine I always used to look at him from a leadership perspective and think to myself, these are the <laughs> things that I would definitely not do if I was a leader. Yeah? We, I think uh, that should be our next our next uh, book together, Colin, Worst Practices. Worst Practices, I, yes. I think that would be um, a great title for a book. Worst Practices and What Not to Do and exactly. What You Should Be Doing, Do the Opposite. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
So first thing is, I guess the whole thing about cable companies, and we're talking about it now, is this whole area again of social proofing. Very few people have got good things to say about cable companies, unfortunately. And let me be clear, I'd love it if there was a cable company out there that actually did a really good job. And I've always said that I think that if there was, they would gain lots of business. But they're universally disliked, aren't they? Yeah. So social proof is the idea that we are influenced by the opinions of other people. Right. So if you see lots of people yeah. lined up outside of a nightclub, you assume that it must be popular. And so then you therefore also want to get into it. And the idea of social proofing with regards to cable companies is interesting because you're right. They're almost universally reviled at the same time. How often do we in the course of our lives interact with our cable companies? For most of us, it's not often, right? I mean, you, you call around when you move or maybe you, you switch cable companies or maybe if service goes wrong. But it's not like you're you're engaging with them every day or anything. And yet, as you said, almost every story you hear from anyone on any continent is about how terrible the cable or the internet service provider is. And so if that is just the general belief of everyone, then that is going to influence our beliefs. So there are probably, hypothetically, customers out there who have never had a bad experience personally with a cable company who still hate cable companies. Sure. Because just that's what everybody does. Everybody hates their cable company. No, I agree. And let me be clear. they None of these things, I don't think people, are, anybody sitting at a cable company, particularly the CEO and the, the C-suite, are sitting there and going, what can we do to create a really bad experience for our customers? I'm not as sure about that as you are. <laughs> I, it, seems, it seems we're beyond just chance at this point. So. Yeah. But maybe, maybe. But I do think that what happens is we would say that these experiences are accidental or consequential. In other words, the experience that you get is a consequence of the decisions that have been made in the organization. Mm -hmm. And invariably, the decisions have been made in the organization for the good of the organization rather than the good of the customer. So let me give you an example of that and, that let's, and then sort of tie in another theory to that, which is this whole area of new customers only. Yeah. So new customers get it for 50% off for the first six months, but old customers, you just have to pay the full amount. So what's happening there from a psychological perspective? Well, first, let's talk about it from a business perspective, right? So why does this sure. make sense? for the company, right? Do you want to walk people through like the logic of that? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because you're acquiring new people, Yeah. okay? And this is the, the interesting thing I find with organizations is, so when you're trying to get growth, okay? You know, growth is effectively made up of two things, okay? You're either getting new customers or existing customers to buy more things, so acquisition, and the second part about growth is retention. So you keep the customers that you've got. And if you can keep the customers you've got and you can sell more things to new customers or to existing customers, you're going to get growth. Mm -hmm. The problem for me is just focusing on acquisition and then annoying <laughs> their existing customers who then turn around and say, well, how is it they get 50% off and I don't, and therefore I'm going to now start to look around and therefore you lose on the retention side of things. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. right? So from a psychological perspective, firms want loyal customers. They enjoy loyalty. They get a lot of benefits out of that. And yet often fail to realize that loyalty is a two-way street, that loyalty is an emotional reaction as much as anything else. You and I use the example of loyalty that people have to terrible sports clubs. We're not getting anything out of being loyal to these sports clubs that keep losing over and over again. But it is this emotional, this identity driver. And for that to be accurate, you know, for that to happen, these firms need to be giving something back. And so, yeah, when you, when you're acquiring customers in such a way that you're, you're snubbing customers who have been with you for a long time, you are communicating that I am not loyal to you as a customer. And so therefore customers feel like they shouldn't be loyal back. In some sense, firms are courting disloyal customers through promotions like that. Because somebody yep. who's especially likely to leave their old cable company to save a few dollars for the, the first three months may be especially likely to leave you as soon as they possibly can to get a better deal somewhere else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this, I think, ties into the next part, which is um, what well, we put under a category of relationship types. So let me tell you a story that leads into this. This was in Florida, and I was moving from one cable company to another. And therein lies a problem in itself, in the sense that there's a duopoly and even a, a monopoly in some parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And whenever you've got that, that's not good because people need broadband communications connections. And therefore, if you haven't got competition driving things, then typically they provide a poor experience. So, however, let's take another step back. So, decided that I was going to change cable companies, moving from one to another. And the first one basically said that. I needed to take back the cable box to their depot or store or whatever it was. This was the middle of summer, so hot and humid. I really got annoyed that I was being expected to take this back there. Never heard that before. And when I took it back there, they then kept me waiting in, and interestingly enough, outside the building. So in the humid florida heat and i thought i feel like you're just doing this on purpose to you know to wind me up mm-hmm. you know but that's correct me if i'm wrong that's some stuff there about uh, relationship types so do you want to tell everybody a bit more about that sure i mean there there are lots of problems with that experience that you just described correct let's try and narrow it down yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> one thing that we've talked about on the podcast psychologists characterize relationships as being one of several types. So, you know, we'll talk about just there can be relationships with companies that feel more familial, that feel like genuine relationships. And then there can be relationships with, with firms that feel just strictly transactional. Yeah. It's not that transactional relationships are, are inherently bad. It's not the case that you want to have a close relationship with every business you interact with. But you better be clear from your business strategy perspective what type of relationship you're interested in. And something like a cable company is long-term, it's contractual. They are often interested in selling you lots of things. These are are the types of transactions for which having a stronger or closer relationship can benefit the firm. There's more trust there. Customers are more willing to forgive problems if there's a closer relationship. But again, the signals that they're sending through your experience, is that they are not interested in having any kind of relationship with you more than transaction. Yeah. What is the resale value of that equipment that you turned back? Are they actually going to refurbish and reuse that thing? Or was it just strictly 
punishment wasn't just catharsis on their part. Interestingly enough, the same happened in the UK. And all I had to do was to pack it on a box and free post it back. So, you know, completely different. So maybe they want to recycle it and I'm all into recycling of things. But to force you to go and sit outside in a hot summer's day is just ridiculous. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Go back to this sort of transactional things and let me reinforce a couple of things that you said. If you were to ask the senior team, are you trying to build a transactional relationship with these customers? I lay your money. They would turn around and say no. Right. You know, we understand the theory. We want loyal customers. We want people to stay with us. You know, look at all the stats, the cost of acquiring customers Mm -hmm. against the cost of uh, retaining customers. But how about then the other decisions they're making about costs and processes and everything else and the culture of the organization, more to the point, drives you to end up having the experience that you have there. Let me go through another couple because, as you can imagine, I've got quite a long list of things (laughs) here that we can learn from. So the other one was... um, Let's do a good one. Endowment effect, mm-hmm. okay? So when people turn around, when they turn around and go, try HBO for six months. Yep. Yeah? Or, you know, we'll, in fact, let me talk against myself for a moment. New customers, okay? So we're, we're getting you on new because we want you to show you how really good this is and everything else, and then you'll sign up. And that is all about the endowment effect, isn't it? And that's about saying that once you own something, you don't want to give it up. So that's part of loss aversion, but that's also part of you feel like you've, you've got some ownership of it. Yeah, I mean, I think the key distinguishing factor there is do people have a good experience with it, right? So yeah, if you give somebody free HBO for three months, it's unlikely that there's going to be any kind of downside to that uh, unless they just, realize in those three months that they never watch it. And so it's not worth paying for it. I had a similar experience where I was able to watch talking about sports franchises that never win. I was able to watch Cleveland Browns games for free for a couple of weeks with my new cable package. You mean they broadcast it just for you? Well, they Because surely you're the only person watching it. It was all NFL <laughs> games, and within that was Cleveland Browns games. Ah, right. Okay. And I hadn't been able to watch Cleveland Brown games on TV live since I was a kid and lived in Cleveland. So I was very excited about this. And then watched a couple of games and realized, oh, why would I do this to myself every Sunday? This would be a terrible thing for me to spend money on. And so, so it, it actually does have to be a good experience, which comes to the second part of what you raised. Like if you give new customers an experience for a few months for free, the endowment effect is this idea that once you own something, you value it more. And so that can work out if it's a positive experience. But if it's not a good experience, then the endowment effect is not going to kick in, right? If using your cable service makes me realize how terrible you are at showing up on time for appointments, how bad your service is when I call in, how difficult it is to connect with things, then the fact that you've given it to me for free for some period of time is not going to enact the endowment effect necessarily and make me value it more. Sure. 
And let me build onto that because you you mentioned about you know the service etc. So let me give you two two examples here of some psychology that's playing out in just the waiting that they have people waiting for different services. Great. So first one is good. So in the US, when I contact the cable company, they will turn around and say, yep, we can, we'll turn up in a two hour window. Okay, which is good. We did a podcast a little while ago about the psychology of waiting. And therefore, what we learned from that podcast is unknown wait feels longer than known wait. Mm -hmm. So let me repeat that unknown wait feels longer than known wait. So if I know that it's going to turn up in these two hours, that's good. And now, so therefore, did what, they actually turn up in those hours? Yeah, they do. Okay, to, be, to be fair, they, they do most of the time. And also, they I think is good practice is they typically, you know, ring you to say, we'll be there in 10 minutes or something, which again, I think is good and, and plays into that psychological theory. I, I think that's great. I, I will say that that has not always been my experience. And right. when you promise someone that there will be a known wait and then you violate that expectation then all the good things that colin is saying backfire completely yeah and it becomes very bad so it's good it's great that they that they actually followed through with that and were on time when they said they were. yeah that's good the other example on the this sort of whole psychology of waiting ties into my story about returning the piece of equipment and having to sit outside in the hot summer florida sun which is unfair weight. I'm starting to suspect you might have been participating in a psychology experiment that you just were not aware of. <laughs> this sounds a little suspicious to me. Sorry, yes. you were waiting in the no. sun. Continue. I think you're right. Yeah. And they would have probably seen that waiting in the sun, not only was I getting red with the sun beating down on me, but I was getting red with getting angry. I mean, if it helps, Colin, you may have helped somebody earn her dissertation based on that. So. Can I just say, no, it doesn't okay, help at all. I, I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> so unfair weights are longer than equitable weights. Mm. So unfair weights yep. are longer than equitable weights. I didn't find that equitable. No. I was annoyed. Yeah. And therefore, again, poor experience. Yeah. If they do need you to return the box, and let's assume for whatever reason you physically have to take it there, you should understand that people are coming along feeling annoyed and feeling you should be doing something, maybe giving them a, a drink or something like that. It would be interesting. We all have nightmare customer service stories that we can tell. We've, we've all experienced yep. that or seen it. It's also the case, though, that people can be magnanimous and wonderful and understanding and kind customers can be and oftentimes it's the same people so the same person can be magnanimous and kind and generous in one situation and be terrible and snappy and emotional in another and oftentimes it's something that the company could have controlled right so if to the point that you're, you're making now if you're explaining to people why they have to wait and, you know, if you're doing things to make that weight more pleasant and you know, you're making it feel more equitable or, or more fair, then everybody's going to have a much better experience. Nobody's thrilled about waiting, but people will be understanding more often and so on. Yeah. And just building on that, I mean, if they had turned around and said, 
okay, the reason we want you to bring this back is because we're recycling it, which is going to save the planet and, you know, blah, 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 blah. The reason that we're making you wait is because of, you know, something has gone wrong and we're very sorry about yeah. it. And here's what we're going to do to make it better. Instead of <laughs> wait, yeah. wait in the sun, because we've got somebody who's trying to see what the psychological effects of that will be. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm going to look out to it next time I have a bad experience. I'm going to look out for some psychologist <laughs> look for laughing on the sidelines. Oh, no, yeah. they won't laugh. That's not professional. But look for a clip, <laughs> clipboard. That'll be good. Okay, the next one, again, ties into some of the things that we're talking about because it could be that I'm just a grumpy git um, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else was really happy to take their equipment back. That's part of um, your charm, Colin. It is, it is. But one of the other things that I think happens with cable companies is, again, and it probably goes back to this relationship types, but they treat all customers the same. Mm. So the thing that annoys me is I consider myself to be fairly technically able. And the first thing that they ever ask me when I phone them up for technical support is, have you rebooted your router? Or they, in fact, they don't ask me that. They tell me to do it again, mm -hmm. and I've already just done it. And I think, I think to myself, do you think I'm an idiot? Mm. Yeah. Now, I clearly understand that they have a number of people that would call them that haven't got that. But mm. I guess the analogy I would draw is when you go to a number of airports, they will have a line for experienced people, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. experienced travelers, and a line for casual travelers. And the experienced people clearly go into that line and go through far quicker. So you would have thought that there would be some way of segmenting the market to be able to turn around and go, this person is competent. I'm not saying I'm technically minded, but this person is competent and therefore we put them through this experience, et cetera. But so the essence is treating everybody the same. Yeah. I mean, it, and going back to your experienced traveler line, everybody's happier when that's an option uh, and when it's yep. utilized effectively. I am both an experienced traveler and someone who occasionally travels with five children. And I can tell you, I would use very different lines if given the option, because it's very stressful. I would use different airports, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't do it a lot for everyone's benefit. But yeah, there's a lot of stress and having to worry about you know, rushing through so you don't make somebody else late. And same with, with your example about the text service. Some people would want the slow line where they can ask all the dumb questions that they want and have somebody hold their hand. And other people would very much appreciate being able to skip all of the incidentals and get right down to it because they've already tried the basic stuff. Yeah. So last one we're going to talk about before we get onto some thoughts on some practical tips is confirmation bias. Here's the issue now. So confirmation bias tells us that we look for things to confirm our view of the world. Mm. And my view of the world is cable companies are not very good. And therefore, I look for things in that experience to confirm they're not very good. Mm -hmm. And the danger is, if I was being kind to them for a moment, then maybe they're not as bad as I say they are. 
Um, it's, I'll tell you what, I feel of myself sort of choking even saying that, actually. <laughs> but it's confirmation bias, isn't it? And, and then maybe that goes sort of full circle into sort of piece about social proofing as well. You're looking for things that says that um, they are not very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another way of saying this is that reputations are sticky. Yeah. Beliefs are sticky. And so once you have gained a reputation for good or bad customer service, that will stick with you, high or low quality. It can be very hard and slow to change those things. So if some cable company were to get a new CEO who came in and said, we want to change the way that we're perceived, we want to like shake up the industry, we want to be perceived as completely different, it may take a really long time and a lot of effort to do that, even if objectively they make things better right away because people perceive the world through their beliefs and yep. they have earned their reputations up to this point. No, they have. Absolutely. It would take a lot. Yeah. And I've spoken to a number of cable companies over the period of time I've been doing this. And, you know, I do genuinely think that there is an opportunity out there for someone to get this stuff right and to differentiate themselves. It just doesn't seem to happen. But that's another story. So let's get in to talk a bit about recommendations and what we would do. Before I do that, let me just remind people that you can go to our website and download a document summary of this podcast. If you go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary, that's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. It has the key takeaways and the um, recommendations in there. And then you can use that to share around the organization, whatever you wish. So we hope that's of use. So recommended actions, Ryan, key takeaways, what would you suggest? So most companies aren't in such a bad position. Cable companies don't need to be as bad on customer experience, customer relationships as they've been. They're that way because they've prioritized other things. And they don't have to be. And as you pointed out, a lot of them operate in, in monopoly or quasi-monopoly settings where they can get away with it. And most companies can't. But even firms that exist in markets where they don't have to exist on customer service, if they choose to, can gain some real advantage in that way. So yeah, make sure the customer has a place at the table when decisions are being made. Make sure that they have advocates who can look at things from the customer's perspective as opposed to just everything being to maximize the benefit to the company. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So definitely first piece of learning for me, first recommended actions would be look at the culture of your organization and do things to improve your customer centricity. Second recommendation I would absolutely give would be get the senior team to understand 
go back to what I said before, none of the senior team are going to turn around and say, we want to treat customers as a transaction. We want to give them the type of experience they've given them today. You know, we want loyal customers. I'm sure those are the things that um, they want. But recognize there's a big difference between saying those things and things getting implemented at the ground floor. And then look at the reasons why those things are not getting implemented. And that's typically to do with culture, processes, systems, measurements, so on and so forth. I think also practical thing, look at your experience and understand the wait points where customers are waiting, okay? And think about how you can positively affect when they're waiting and do they think it's equitable or not equitable? Uh, Are these known wait points or not? And think about how you can get customers to feel ownership of your service. So that ties into the whole sort of endowment effect of things. And finally, don't do things like new customers get this, old customers, we're just going to bleed you dry, exaggerating to, to make a point. Growth is about acquisition, is about selling more to your existing customers, but it's also critically about retaining those customers as well. So we hope that's been of use. Can I add one more real quick? Yeah, please do. Also, if you are in a business where you make Colin Shaw wait outside for long periods of time, <laughs> just be sure that you get video of that so you can post it to YouTube or on TikTok. That yeah. could be an additional source of revenue. Yeah, for I will be the red person yes. in the corner fuming. Yes. My face will be bright red. But you'll be angry and British, which I assume is just more charming. I don't know. <laughs> Everything about us is more charming. There you go. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Talk to you next week. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.